Thank you for listening to another episode of the Shed Geek Podcast here at Union Grove Lumber Studios. To know more about the Shed Geek Podcast, visit us at shedgeek.com. And for all your lumber needs, call one of the team members at 704-539-5506 or visit us online at uniongrovelumber.com. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Shed Geek Podcast and back for round number two. And the, and the applause goes wild by popular demand, Jonathan Ork. Well, good to be back. It's Justin, if you remember. I was about to say, is it Justin or is it Jonathan? So I'm so no. confused now because I'm going to say the wrong thing, meaning to I've, say the I've right I've been thing. called many nicknames. I've never been called <laughs> Justin before, so thanks for starting that. Oh, I, 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 you, you, you know how bad I felt? Not it's bad all at all. Yeah, not bad at all. It was fun. Like, if you can't laugh at yourself, then it, it's, it's, you know, we're what not doing something joke? right. What was it we did? Uh, George, what was it? What was the name? Oh, I, oh, I called you back and called you a different name. Yeah. Like Mark or something, I forget. Yeah. Hey, Mark. Oh, it was good. We had fun. My apologies. Well, good to, good to be back on the show and uh, good to be back with you. So Yeah, you, uh, well, the listeners uh, really loved what you had to say before. You know, listeners love what you have to say. I want to have you back to say some more stuff. And uh, well, you had a really high listener count, and um, I love that. So, obviously, you have some things to offer. What you got cooking in the uh, pot today? Well, so I was thinking ahead, uh, you know, what, what should we talk about today? Obviously, you lead the conversation, and that's, that's where we'll go. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think I try to be transparent, and, you know, if there's any way I can bring value in, in uh, our time here together, that's what I want to do. So that's we're, great. we're all in the same boat. You know, we're in the same industry, whether in the rent-to-own side or shed side or, uh, you know, wherever you find yourself. And so, to me, if if you become better, if I can become better, yeah. a rising tide lifts all boats. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. We'll start there. Some people are in the rent-to-own industry, but some people are in other parts of the industry as too. What's your thoughts on it? I'm curious. So you, you, you've been through this before. You own shed companies. You've You know what I mean? Like, you've done rent-to-own. Yep. Is it... You know, Stephen Byler was on an episode recently, and he was talking about being vertically integrated and how Byler Barnes did that for 50 years. Awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Crazy cool story. Just uh, super vulnerable and, like, one of those guys you want to hang out with whenever you're around yeah. him. He's a great guy. Um, but, you know, he talked about being vertically integrated. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Give me a, a transparent – is that the best way to go? Like, do you think that's the, the answer? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not here to say there's a right or wrong way to do this. Sure. Um, I can mm-hmm. only tell you from, from my personal experience, mm-hmm. along with, um, you know, I can tell you our numbers, but I can also tell you not numbers, but I can tell you a lot of other companies that I've looked at in the industry, uh, some were friends, some were acquisition targets, uh, that the, the most distressed companies in times of, let's say, a recession or, you know, high growth, I mean, you don't have problems grow and you will have problems right yeah and so the more things you are doing unless you've really taken the time to build out an independent leadership team on that business so say you're a shed company you grow to 5 million 2 million 42 million 100 million whatever that number is unless you've really built out an independent leadership team and it runs sort of without you as the owner um and oftentimes uh, you know, I'm an owner and I'm a visionary and, and we think it's running way more without us than it actually is. Um, I don't mean that to pump us up. Sure. I mean that to actually tear me down. In other words, 
I didn't do as good of a job actually setting up systems and processes as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll tell you is that in, in, in my family's business, when I purchased it, it was the same way. Um, those companies who are doing rent to own and sheds and really trying to be, uh, I, I'm a big believer in vertically integrated in controlling customer experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, you know, we, we have our own equipment for installs and, and, and deliveries, et cetera. And a lot of the shed industry is not that way. Just the level of, of, of experience that one of the liver for us, it feels like the right thing. But it's a different business, right? Sheds, rent to own, yeah. they're related, but it's a different business. You got yeah. to think of it as running a bank and, you know, running manufacturing, and, manufacturing and retail. Well, because there are people that individually make a, a good living in those particular sectors, you know, this leg of the table, this leg of the table. But then there are some that scale up all of those legs and that can become very cumbersome. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I've seen in financials. It was true of my family's business when I bought it, as well as, you know, multiples of other companies that I've looked at. When you actually get down to the financials, those who are in multiple tend to be leaving um, a lot of juice in the lemon, so to speak. Um, maybe people don't like lemons, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of chips on the table, a lot of profit to be had <coughs> because they are running and trying to run both. So, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. I mean, our, my family's business, when I purchased it, uh, we were 40% past due in rent-to-own contracts. And if you're just a, you know, if you're a rent-to-own provider listening to this, you go, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is crazy, right? Um, one of the acquisitions we did was 38%, right? I mean, so it's, it's really, really easy because it's not the same kind of business and it takes a different skill set to manage a bank or a, you know, a rent-to-own company uh, I know it's not a bank, but it's still uh, collections and accounts, et cetera, as it does a manufacturing company. And it's really about focus. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you that in my company, we have com- two complete different operational. Um, I got a, a president for the backyard leasing business, a president for the um, lifestyle structures business, the sheds and, and cabins. But even just being in sheds and cabins, uh, there are quite a few folks that through the pandemic have scaled pretty incredible because they were focused, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so you, anytime you get split focus, you got to ask yourself the question, you know, am I going to be really, really, really good at all of that? Or maybe I need to focus and, or, or, or am I going to be mediocre at all of it in reality? Or could I be really good at just one thing? So Jack Welch's old thing, if you read his book when he was at GE, you remember what he said? Um, not everybody loved Jack Welch, but a lot of people was did. Was that the, uh, you don't know Jack? Is that, no, that was a different book. Okay. I'm thinking of, honestly, it's been a, a minute since I read his book, but he talked about the concept of we're not number one or number two, this is a multi, you know, multinational company, but still, if we're not going to be number one or number two in any particular segment of the business where we can, where we compete in, we're going to sell it. We're going to get out of it. Um, because he believed in becoming phenomenal at what they do. And if we're not winning in something and we're not able to get to where we're really number one or number two in performance, then we're not, you know, and he was also talking about market share, uh, but just look at performance. Maybe you're not trying to be a $200 billion business yeah. or a, you know, like Jack was or like, or a, or a $20 million business. But if you're not truly serving your team members, well, your clients, well, and ultimately your shareholders, maybe it's just yourself as a shareholder then you got to stop and ask, am I, what am I really trying to do here? And think about it. More than anything, I would just say, be strategic. Know what you're doing and understand the impact that it has when you do multiple things. Not good or bad, just understand it. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's been a skewed view from somebody who 
comes in and makes their living in just that one vertical because they don't really have any intentions on going beyond that. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That just means they're trying to make a living. They enjoy what they do. But there are other people out there who are seeking right. <laughs> their share. Right. I mean, right. really, they are. You know, And it's not because we're not still trying to make the, the, the market bigger mm-hmm. so that we can all share a little bit more. But there are people who are trying to constantly uh, improve their methods, their services, the the you know what they provide to the customer, and that's where acquisitions come in. I mean, we're seeing more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hearing rumblings of so many different companies that have either been approached, uh, considered. You know, that's yeah. What, the, that's, industry, the industry's at a maturation stage, and so anytime we get to in in the bell curve, we get to maturation. It's yeah. it's going to start happening more yeah. and more and more. So you think we'll see more of that definitely over the next year or two? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think we'll see a lot more of it. Um, so, what would what would your advice be to someone who is? I'm thinking about getting into this. I'm thinking about getting into that. We want to expand our business out. Is it consulting? Uh, we're thinking about. You're saying a, a shed manufacturer is thinking about getting. I want to get a rent on. I want to start running my own truck. I want to start. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there a place to go for that? Like, you know, hey, I need to know. I got you. I got you. Is there someone I can reach out to? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think just understand it's not going to be as easy to be great at all of it as what it seems like, number one. Yeah. Um, number two, consider the impact it has. I mean, you only have so much in, in EOS, we call this the capacity ball. You only have so much time and energy in a day. And if it takes, you know, really as an owner, you need you about 70%. You told me this early on. You told me this early on, and I've not but, forgotten but if this. You're, if you're at 80 or 90 or 110% of your capacity, well, you're – we're lying to ourselves. You yeah. cannot actually be at 110%. That doesn't exist. Right. Long term, you're either going to burn out. Yep. Something's going to fall through the cracks. Profitability is going to slip somewhere. Culture is going to slip somewhere. Employees, customers aren't going to be happy. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think first of all, you got to understand it, think through it, consider the costs. And I, and I think of the story of the parable of the talents in Scripture, right, where um, the, the, the master entrusted with his employees – you know, if you put it in today's dollars, I think it was a million, two million, and five million, or something like that okay. of dollars. It's pretty significant if you go to the translation. But but think of it just as talents. Even you know, I, I have the ability to run a good rent-owned company or a good shed company, and if you're good, really, really good at one thing, then maybe it's time to go start looking at something else to add on to that. But but I would definitely encourage you know for for the for whoever's listening to this, if you're not in both right now, not to scare you from getting in one to the other, just understand what it is. I mean, we, we are in both, but I'll tell you that we could have made probably another 10, 20 million bucks bottom line um, over the past 20 years had we been focused. How would a customer know what shed brand you sell? Of course, you and I work in the shed industry and can often spot a brand a mile away just by its colors, styles, and customizations. However, to most customers, all sheds are created equal, right? Wrong. You want the customer to know your shed brand. An Identigro nameplate helps your customer with five key components every shed customer needs. Identity, information, authenticity, advertising, and ownership. Identigro, helping identify your shed brand for over 20 years. Maybe there's a room. Maybe I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking in my head. Maybe there's room for you know, somebody to fill that gap. I always see like so many different opportunities in the industry. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, it's not always just and nothing against building a shed, nothing against hauling or selling sheds. I'm just saying it's not just always that. Right. As the right. industry begins to mature, I'm over here going, oh, there's something over there. We talked about shed selling. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to create a shed sales, you know, seminar, whatever. We're, we're going to give it some kind of name because it's lost in identity. But, you know, there's so many uh, tables. Justin. Tables. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, Justin the shed sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll give some nice little acronym with it. But there's so many people who who do get into uh, these different legs of the table, and they're represented equally. You, are, you know, the, the haulers, they do a good job, the builders and, and all that. But the salespeople sometimes and your your, your SDRs are just kind of like they're, they're, they're in a fishbowl a lot of times, and they're not, there's not professional development there. Mm-hmm. And I think people want that, but then – you, you got to find a new way to do that. You got to find a, a way to add value. No one's going to go to anything that doesn't add value. So uh, I don't know why I got on this rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. But. No, so on your question, if, if there's consulting or anything that I know, not that I really know, yeah. um, I mean, you're, you know, anybody's always welcome to call me, and all I can do is tell you the mistakes we've made and a couple of successes, but a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And so uh, happy to share those things with anybody yeah. if that if that helps in any way. Um, that space is you – know. that space is – ready to be taken. I guess what I was saying, where I was going with it was talking about the shed sales. Uh, they were talking about like, I said, listen, this was an opportunity. A year ago, there was an opportunity to handle labor. I mean, what happened whenever COVID hit? Mm-hmm. When COVID hit, you had 12, 14, 16 week lead times. Yeah. And everyone I knew was crying labor, labor, labor. We can't keep enough inventory. We can't build enough. Perfect opportunity for someone who felt like they had the vision for it to, to try and help solve that need. It'd be the same way with sales. Now, I don't know what the answer is. So when people say, well, what is the answer? I have no idea. Wasn't called to do it. Don't yeah. know how. But here's a couple of ideas. <laughs> I always tell people, ask me for my opinion. It's worth what you paid for it. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's free, so it may be yep. worth nothing. Yep. But sometimes it's like when you're trying to figure out how to, what color to paint a room and you ask your wife, you know, you like this color, blue or gray. And you don't really know what you like. And then she says, gray, and you go, I like the blue. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's just having somebody voice something sparks yeah. an idea. So I'm always happy to, to sort of visionate, if that word is, is a real word. We just created, um, we create you know, words here on the Shed Geek podcast. Yeah, I love it. So yeah. visionate uh, with, with other industry folks and, uh, you know, be, be a help in, uh, wherever I can. So. Yeah. Um, One of the best ways to learn, I think, though, on your question is learn from other people's mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, yeah, I've seen some Facebook memes that say such a thing. Yeah. That's my favorite way of learning is watching it. You know what? Uh, if you're a younger sibling, you see that. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I've watched my son do this. Yep. You know, he watches my daughter get in trouble, and yep. he's like, yep, going a different route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I, I'm a big believer in this. I mean, last so last week I was in, um, I had 10 different in- industry meetings, and a lot of them were just industry friends, me going, learning. You know, I, I always... There's, there's no one, um, there's got to be something I can learn from every single factory I stop in, retail store, dealer, or whatever it is. And it's even even that lot you go to that's just run down and you can tell the owner doesn't really care about it. There's something you can learn there, right? Yeah. Good that they're doing because everybody has a strength. Learn somewhere. what not to do. And so I was in 10 <laughs> different meetings last week uh, in, in, I don't know, four or five states and so I'm a big believer in doing this. I don't, you know, there's not time to go out and do it every month or every mm-hmm. quarter. But once a year, I try to get on the road and go out and, and, and meet great people and, you know, break bread together with people in the industry and sort of 
sit down how things are going. I mean, things are very, you know, they're, they're shaping up to be very different in the next, I think, 12 months versus what they are right you now. You guys heard that Justin, oh, Justin Oreck may just came, come to your, come to your, your <laughs> yeah. lot. You yeah. heard it right here. <laughs> Ma, come check it out. It's Justin. <laughs> I can't quit. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I if, said that. <laughs> if you're not watching this on uh, YouTube or somewhere and you can't see my face, you won't know if it's Justin or Jonathan, right? It's going to stick now. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think go out, learn from others. And, and, and again, people were typically happy to share mistakes and that's some of the best stuff to learn from. So anyways, no, it's, um, other areas that people just don't pay attention to. We talked a lot about like CPAs and knowing your numbers, know their numbers, know their self and things like that. Uh, me and you had conversation about like legalities. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, there are certain areas that were just exposed in the industry and I don't know, maybe that's there again. And you know what I mean? Seeing that there's another option for someone to come in and uh, take over that. I mean, obviously the MBSRA has, um, you know, value to offer there in terms of with the general on, on the rent own side. Yep. Yeah. With yep. rent own with, with uh, rent own. But then what do you do about, you know, I'm a company that's trying to get started. What do I need to know about liability? What do I need to know about employees? Uh, you know, how do I need to structure this DBA LLC? Am I, what am I doing? S corp, C corp. What are those things? And who's the right person to tell me what they yeah. are? So, well, a, a really good. Uh, I, I think the first misnomer I see a lot in the industry is people go, you know, you. So, so where's your profit? What are you making? What's this? What's that? And they go CPA. And what what it took me a long time. Here's another mistake you can learn from from me. It took me a long time to realize my CPA only takes my box of receipts I take to him, so to speak, and puts it in the nice report that looks cool, mm-hmm. right? They're not making anything up. They, if you don't know it, they don't know it. Yeah. And so the first thing is, is you know, an, an attorney, a corporate attorney who knows corporate law, knows structure around LLC from a liability standpoint, is very different from a tax attorney who goes, hey, because you're in this state and do business across the border and et cetera, and are you ever going to sell the company? Are you going to hold it? Are you going to donate it to charity when you're done? I mean, that's, that's all makes a difference on if you should be an LLC, a C-Corp. You should definitely be incorporated, though, because if you're not incorporated, all the liabilities of the company are your personal liabilities, right? Someone stubs a toe and sues you, you're going to be personally sued. So definitely number one thing is get out there and get an get a LLC or some kind of you know incorporation, um, and then, and then when you get into a lot of other, some of the other things that you mentioned, I'll just run through them quickly. Um, labor law, you have, you know, on, on the shed side of the business, you have labor law, you have IRS, you have, um, you know, unless you've got uh, high, your top, top line volume is 20 million, 40 million, you know, 80 million plus, you probably don't need to worry about audited financials unless you have um, investors, if, you know, if you have investors, you really probably want audited financials. And to do that, you're going to have to have an ERP system, and you know, it takes a lot to get into that, mm-hmm. um, get into that system. Um, but the number one thing I think I see talking about as, as an industry being exposed or being naked on this is probably around labor. I think that's the biggest gap that we have still in the industry, and a lot of people, you know, a, a, a wise old man once told me, if you're doing something just for tax it's probably not the right thing to do. Mm. So, you know, I try to take every tax loophole that I can. I, I think Jesus said, pay into Caesar his dues. And if we convert that into U.S. dollars, pay into Caesar every dollar you own. But he didn't say plus $2, right? Yeah. He said, pay him <laughs> what you own, and, and that's it. Yeah. So 100%, and, and the IRS tax code is actually um, 
set up and structured to incentivize us as business owners to invest in capital expenditures, to grow and to grow our companies. I mean, that, that's a great thing. But then there's some things that it's not meant for, right? And so we see a lot of, um, and, and, and no judgment, we used to be 1099 manufacturing across the board, you know, until one day I, I talked to a labor law attorney and uh, that was the start of it and figured out, eh, maybe not the correct way to do things. Um, you know, they're not providing their own space. They're not providing their own tools. Yeah, hammer and nail bag doesn't really count as, as tools because you really need a forklift and a chop saw and ladders and a factory and, you know, these types of things. And I've seen some creative things over the years, people renting a bay to employees. And it, it gets complicated. It gets deep. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you made more money by paying people's employees, would you still pay them 1099? That's the question to ask yourself. And if it's no, maybe have a conversation. And why do I care about this? I care about this because I don't want you or me to ever have a run-in with name the three-letter word, you know, IRS IRS or Department of Labor, the DOL or, you know, any any entity and be on the wrong side because, because frankly, it's a penalty for you, you know, may cost you your business, but it also hurts me and everyone else in the industry, right? So um, being being completely above board, you know, I, I'm a big believer in treating our people right. We're all W-2 uh, with incentive comp plans. We have, you know, benefits. We have workers' comp. And, we, you know, we, we make sure we follow sort of cross the T, dot the I. But it costs a lot of money, and it, mm-hmm. and it took us a minute to get there, right? We didn't just turn the switch one, one day and we were there because we would have went out of business if we would have. We had to adjust margins. We had to adjust prices. I mean, it, it does cost more to have all those things. But you see it as investing into Absolutely. your employees, investing Absolutely. into your and business. Fr- frankly, for me and, and a lot of the industry is, is conservative um, Anabaptist, et cetera. I mean, frankly, for me, I want to be able to lay my head down at night and know there's nothing I have to hide from anybody. You know, I may have figured out the tax code and figured out the way to write off this asset um, on, on my taxes this year. And, and a lot of that's actually pretty straightforward, pretty black and white in the IRS code. But I want something that if I'm ever in court, I can defend it, yeah. right? And I can defend it for, with a third-party opinion, and it's not a stretch to get there because the IRS is probably not going to stretch with you. What's the lure of, like, the 1099? Uh, I, think, I think a lot of us in the industry just do it. It's easy. Yeah. You know, there's no W-2, no payroll withholdings, no um, payroll taxes. It's cheaper. You know, yeah. you don't have to pay all those extra fees. Um, yeah. Employees, it's easier to hire employees because you're paying them a, a 1099, which can be a higher wage because you don't have all those extra costs. And so, I mean, there, there are some details to 1099, just some general generic details, like um, um, you're not supposed to uh, set a schedule for them, right. little things right. like that. Right. You know, that even sometimes a 1099 employee – might not understand themselves. Yep. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm not trying to, I just, I just think um, we as an industry, it's something to think about yeah. um, and know the true consequences. Every decision has a consequence, right? You, you buy, yeah. you, you go over the top the other way, the consequences, your costs are going to be higher than they need to be, right? And that has a consequence. And so it's just really being diligent and thinking through those things. Here's the way I explained it, kind of like especially in terms of working in sales because in sales a lot of times you work in commission. Sometimes that can be a draw against commission. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be just straight commission. Uh, most sales guys who are uh, doing a good job in the top 5%, they want straight commission. Mm-hmm. They don't want a you know, a, a mixture. Yeah, they don't want a base and, and moving forward. But sometimes you have to start somewhere or, or whatever 
looks like, you know, to get gain general knowledge of an industry or product or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to, I would always ask this question. I've asked this to, you know, even employers before. Um, how much do you want to grow this year? Let's say you hire me, Jonathan, you're hired. Let's do this transparency stuff. I mean, you like to do these things. I don't know what yeah. it is. So Jonathan, uh, you hire me today and you say, um, okay, I want you to go out and grow my business 30%. So I'm hiring you to do a job, mm-hmm. right? I'm hiring you to grow out and grow 30%. So if I, if I come, there's a negotiation there, right? Yep. There's leverage and you can say, okay, uh, I'm going to come on. I'm going to do that. Uh, well, you want that done in the next 12 months. Correct. I'm curious at your response on this. I, I feel, feel like we may disagree, but I'm not sure. I'm just curious. Let's, let's find out. Okay. Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never living it down. So, okay, I'll do it. You want this done over the next 12 months, correct? Um, what happens if I do it in three months? So an incentive for performing in a shorter time frame. Um, sure. If, if we talk about it initially at the onset, that's fine. But what if you say I need to grow 30% in the next 12 months? And I say, okay, what happens if I go out and grow 30% in the next three months, for instance? Mm-hmm. What if I tell you I'm going fishing for nine months? Mm-hmm. Is that okay with you? Well, it depends what job you're hired to do, yeah. right? If, if you're in a seat where... Well, if I'm not W-2. If you're, if you're in a seat... Right. So um, technically, I should be okay with that. Now, even even 1099, if I hire a, a garage door installer to install I always, use, I always use a painter as an example so or, 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 or a painter or a painter to come and paint the uh you know paint the sheds yeah you know if you're not painting the sheds and now i can't install it in revenue i'm gonna i'm gonna find another painter yeah right of course so i mean so i mean at of some course. point at some there's point, a consequence to yeah. the, the opposite we, we, side we of don't it. buy fords because they break down or whatever dodge well, i'm not trying to start an argument i'm just saying <laughs> whatever whatever brand you think isn't we have an opinion about what lasts and what doesn't. So there are consequences for performance, yeah. regardless of really how you're set up long-term. Sometimes in the interim, short-term, it doesn't show up. But It's certainly important at the onset to have those discussions. There you go. You know, That's because if key. you don't have those discussions, you've yeah, failed to... You fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? You know, right. if you right. every goal that, you don't set, you will yeah. hit. You know, if you have a goal to go nowhere, you will you will end up there. And it's so hard sometimes to uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Huge. If you can spend a lot of time doing that, it's kind of like uh, the age old, you know, uh, what was it, Allen Iverson? Practice. We're talking about practice. We're not talking about the game. We're talking right. about practice. Right. You remember this video, and and it was talking about, but practice is the most important. The game is really irrelevant in terms of practice. You practice for 40 hours, play a game for one. Right. Practice is the most important. So you talk about and get those details nailed down previously. Mm-hmm. The only reason I thought that was so important is because this is what I have found in most 1099 capacities. Um, bring, bring me in. I'll grow your business 12 months. What if I grew it in, in 30, 30% in, in, uh, in uh, three months? And I tell you, hey, boss, I'm, uh, I'm going to go fishing. I want to take some time off now. Uh, wait a minute. You know, we still got nine months left. Right. But we hit our target. You right, know what I mean? Right, we already right. hit our target. So I value freedom. Right. I value time off. That's I want to go spend some time. I, I, think, I think if you're hiring a contractor to do the, you know, the landscaping at your house or, uh, and I didn't do well at that, you know, this, I, I think I'm a year <laughs> into our project right now. We're finally wrapping up next week. It's always next week. It's always next um, week. Yeah. But shared expectations. And for sure, if you're working with friends and family, if you value the relationship, yep. value it enough to actually sit down and write yep. down ahead of time, if I meet the target in three months, you know, do you get more money for that? Or you know can I take nine do. months off? Or assumptions make an ass out of you and me. Yep. Assumptions, right? Yep. Think about how it's written. Yep. 
hundred percent. Whenever you don't get into those details, and sometimes that's just the learning curve that you do. Document, detail, talk about it ahead of time, because everyone is a lot more agreeable going in than they're on the backside when I think I've performed and you don't think I have, or vice versa, et cetera. So communication is key, and then I'm also a big proponent on one more thing, document it. Yes. Right? And that's to protect the relationship. Because if we agree on something. I've seen the importance in that. The last thing I want to happen is six months from now, six years from now, there's a disagreement and we're great friends and partners, but we didn't document something that's now become a big deal and it puts a rift in the relationship. And that's just, so I I always say, don't do business with people you can't trust with a handshake, but then value the relationship enough to document what you've agreed upon. Yeah. Yeah. I try to live my life that way. You could talk to Steve or Willard or you know, team members on the senior leadership team, et cetera. And I think that's, that's what you're going to find. Absolutely. Great advice. I, I, I wish there's so many times I wish I could go back and be like, Oh no, if we could just do that over again, I think about friendships that could yep. be better uh, business relationships. that could be better. I mean, there's so many things that could be better with communication, yep. communication, communication, yeah, so, communication. So if you're the contractor or the subcontractor and you listen to this, that's something you can do, right? You yeah. can say, hey, I, I value this relationship. Let's document it so we're, we're clear in the future. Yeah. And I think the other thing on, on just that whole topic and conversation is as owners, you got to really think about what are we building, right? Are you trying to build a legacy that is, are you trying to own your own job, right? Are you trying to grow top line to a couple million bucks and you make 100, 200, 300 grand a year and, and you own your own job? That's that's what some people want to do. You want to you grow it and sell it. Do you want to... Are you trying to create a, create a great culture and hand it off, you know, and sell it to employees? Or do you want to hand it off as a legacy to your kids? What are you really trying to do? And that makes a difference. And I will tell you that as you, if an exit is in your future, everything that you don't have buttoned up, like benefits or W-2, 1099, those are going to be, you know, addbacks or, or, or takeaways, right, from yeah. your earnings. Uh, because they're going to adjust it to actually be able to go run above board and et cetera. And so it's something to think about for your long-term value as well. Yeah. No, I, everything that you're saying is like stuff that's in my wheelhouse right now. It's stuff that I, I think about. And I try to take a better approach uh, yep. moving yep. forward. It, the The best advice, you know, for me is documentation. Like you said, documentation. Um, what's your, what's your best uh, avenue? What do you feel like your, like if, when you're giving suggestions, what is the best thing that you say is a direction to go? Um, for from a legal perspective, like where, uh, where do you start from the ground floor? Well, I mean, so so entity you're talking about entity LLC, etc. Yeah. I mean, LLCs nowadays, pretty much in every state, are very straightforward and a great way to go. You know, unless you're going to put it in the trust and hand it off to the kids, and then yeah. you want to do it when the company's worth nothing um, for for gift tax purposes. So you don't want to grow something and then and then gift tax it. Yeah. Um, but we're all LLCs. And through the acquisitions, we ended up with C-Corps, S-Corps, LLCs, et cetera. And it cost a lot of money. We yeah. did that a couple of years ago to unravel all that, you know, and, and even though I owned it on both sides, flipping it from, an, from a C-Corp to an LLC, I had to pay, get a fair market value today and I had to pay, you know, income tax on that. And I had the tax basis on the other side, you know. Um, Just the stuff you're talking about serves as a perfectly good example of how um, robust being in business looks yeah. like, yep. you know, it's not just always it's complicated. Sometimes it, 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 yeah. it can. Yeah. Especially the, if you're wanting to scale, the challenge is, is to not let the legal and all these things get in the way of serving your customer. But that also means you have to structure it right. So in the future, it's not a distraction because, you know, I don't want to pay any attention to the IRS, but the fact is they want to pay attention to me. Yeah. Right. So they, they don't forget about me. Thank you. Shed community. 
RTO National is celebrating its 20th year, thanks to our great partners like you. It's that time of year, and we're all thinking about the ways to grow our businesses and be better prepared for the future. At RTO National, we are growing by offering simple, low down payment, lease purchase and finance programs combined with unmatched dealer and customer support. For those truly wanting to power up their partnership, we offer our state-of-the-art dealer management system, and it's all for free to our preferred partners. Become an RTO National Preferred Partner today by calling 833-588-1802 or just go to rtonational.com and click the Become a Dealer button. And don't forget to mention our buddy the Shed Geek, and we'll be glad to send you an RTO National hat. Thanks again from all of us here at RTO National. Yeah. <laughs> so, Uncle well, Sam wants his money. 87,000 new ones. That's right. Uh, it sounds right. like to, to, to focus on you. Since, so. since we've redefined what a recession is, we can spend that money instead on uh, uh, new IRS agents. I was about to say, have we, come, <laughs> have we come to a conclusion ourselves on what a recession is? I don't because know. Is it two months or four months of GDP decline? I don't know. You what know, you, Wikipedia literally redefined this Wikipedia. and they locked it. Yeah, they literally, after the administration came out and said, it's, it's not two months of decline because that's what we had in that's when you call a recession. But nope, we're not in a recession. Um, Got to love it. And so Wikipedia redefined on their page, and they locked it for comment. For like, a friend of mine has, has screenshots, and they got a lot of public feedback, lash, yeah. you know, lashback, so they had to open it back I up. Thought I thought Wikipedia was, like, pretty pretty common. Like, you could pretty well change it with very little resistance. You can, except when it's locked. Okay. And somebody up yeah. high enough cares then cares apparently it's actually, sort of locked down i got you so it's no longer <laughs> available so yeah. you talk i'm do a reverse podcast for two seconds okay you talk in the industry a lot um how what's what's the sense you're getting that may be interesting to me and and, and probably to our listeners oh gosh i'm in the hot seat what huh. you know where are we headed right now uh from an industry we had a lot of growth through the pandemic you know we had a lot of uh crazy lumber prices and etc but we also had tailwinds right demand was high lead times were long not just for us, but also for you know, suppliers, et cetera. What's the, what's the temperature in the industry right now, would you say? So, I mean. Are things slowing down? Yeah, Are stable? Absolutely. Are we going gung-ho well, to the future? It's, it, seems, it seems like stability is increasing, but slowdown um, is, is reality. Is, you know, coming off of the two years that we came off of them, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's definitely changing. The industry, in, in my eyes, seems to be changing. Uh, I feel like there's going to be buyouts acquisitions i think there are so in order in order to grow you have to uh, to me at some point you have to affect supply and demand mm-hmm. i mean there has to be there there are companies who who just want to do more mm-hmm. there are companies with fine with staying steady but i think the companies who want to do more will take more of a market share but i don't think that's because they're like hey i got it out for you and i don't want you to win right, right. i think it's a maturing maturing of an industry mm-hmm. i mean you saw it with the auto industry you know what happens. I mean, there's a reason why Chrysler's not around anymore. I mean, those things just happen, but they don't have to happen on bad terms. Right. But I think it just depends on, well, take a look at some of your core uh, leadership. Uh, as I, I was reading them whenever I was on here, it sounds very, um, it's, it sounds very like staunch, but grow or die. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one, one of, of your core values. values. Yeah. Yep. One of your core values, you know, and I'm reading them as I, as I was sitting there in the, in the lobby. But I mean, to some extent you have to be constantly moving upward. Uh, but some people, it's a law of nature. If, if you're not growing, you are dying, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you know, some people say, well, Paul talks about contentment, right, in the Bible. And I, I, I feel like contentment is a great gain. Yeah, I feel like I'm on this search for contentment that says, what is content? Like, I'm in, I'm in six, seven, eight partners deep right now and more that I'm talking to, and a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions on that. Me and you talked about this before. Yeah, I'm not yeah. good at being the duck that lets it right. roll off my back. I, <laughs> I kind of get my feelings, and hey, then I, you know what I mean? I sulk, and then I get over it. You'll be nice it, when right? you call Shannon, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please be nice. Please be nice to me. So the the reality is that's who I am, and it's my nature through yeah. and through to the core. But but I don't, at the same time, like until I'm challenged, I feel like I don't owe anyone an explanation to some extent. Like right, everyone's right, right, right. trying to do better and do yep. better for themselves. But if you ask me you know, with a gun to my head, what do you like to do the most out of all these partnerships? I love all these guys. I love this. Right. <laughs> I love the podcast. I love talking to people and I love hearing their stories. I love go visiting them at their house, yep. sitting down with I, them I often and ask, bread. I often ask people if they're struggling in their career or business or a friend or whatever it is. And I go, if I gave you a million bucks a year to yeah. do whatever you wanted, what would you do? Yeah. Yeah, what was that for no, you? Oh, the podcast. There's not a doubt in my mind. I, I love building the relationships. You know, you if do it, really love us all that much, huh? Well, I, it, if it provides money, that's great. But I, so I think I'm a little bit of a natural historian. One yeah. of the things that attracted me to the industry the most was kind of like, hey, where'd your story come from? Like I've told people, hey, you dad was originally from Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. You guys were in mm-hmm. Kentucky. You were in the mission field. Mm-hmm. So if someone asked me about you, I find that interesting because as I travel about it's to the story. Yeah. To Yes, it's. It's exactly what I'm the most interested in. Yep. I think I'm a bit of a historian geek, really, when it comes mm-hmm. down to it. Uh, Cook portable buildings, Cook mm-hmm. Sheds were like one of the biggest names whenever we were growing up. No one ever, ever knew what anything else was. Yep. They started in like 84, 86 or something in Cobden, and I lived in southern yeah, Illinois. They just, everybody they called just it, sold recently. Yeah, yep. uh, Leonard. But, you know, it was, it was one of those things where Cook Shed was it. Like, I was selling uh, Irvin Stutzman's buildings. They were, they were summit portable buildings out of Farmington, Missouri. And they would come onto my lot and they would say, what kind of cook sheds you got here? And I was like, oh, well, these are actually, you know, Summit Portable Buildings. Hmm, Summit Cook Shed, huh? And it was like, no, no, no. You know, so that's all it was. It was just an outbuilding. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, it sounds like Greg Cook did a, a great job building this, mm-hmm. this, you know, right. this thing. Yeah. My brother bought one from him at one point. I had this really cool story about how me and my brother totally redneck moved this thing. Cause my dad bought it <laughs> off of him for 500 bucks. You were a missing RTO. Totally. put. He, <laughs> no, it was, he, no, he paid for it. Okay. Okay. Just clarifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It changed his name to Justin Ulrich and right, skipped town. Right. Uh, but no, he, we moved it on a six by 12. Oh, wow. Tilt, tilt bed with a with a hd 2500 dodge ram we strapped the frame down because we were afraid the pin wouldn't hold it and set it on angle iron and like a couple of rednecks moved it 14 miles where we watched my father-in-law about kill himself with a Kubota tractor trying to pull this thing off because we didn't even know what a shed hauler was yeah you know this is probably 2002 or something like that and and we just didn't know we didn't we didn't have the number of the guy who delivered it uh but no, those were just cool stories. I didn't know that I'd be in this industry at one point, but I really do love hearing their stories. So it gets beyond just the shed that they talk about, and it starts to become how they know this guy and how right, they know right, this right. guy. And the then connections. Yes. The and small world. It's a small world period, and then when you overlay an industry or a you know a religion or a you know, name, household name, yes. or a family name, or whatever it starts. Simon to, Sinek like, talks no. about find your why. Dave Miller from Smart Pay turned me on to that book. Yep. You know, Phenomenal go read, go read this book. I, I love Simon Sinek. You know, I will watch videos of his, 
you know what I mean, till one o'clock in the morning. Very good. He does these little three minute deals. Genius. You know, it's perfect timing. Um, So I love going and listening to that. But he talks about finding your why. I mean, so what is your why? I mean, I'm a relationship builder and a historian at heart. Um, all the rest of the stuff to me is, I don't want to say details, but it really is. Right, right, right. It, it, helps the, it helps the listeners more than it helps me. I'm more interested in building the relationship Story. and finding out, yep. yeah, how'd you get here? Like, what's going on? How did this happen? And I don't know. It, it's just cool to me. Yep. And maybe that's weird, but that's who I am. No, it's so. great. I'm, I'm love that you're so passionate I, I'm about glad it. that it's you great. asked the question because yep. usually people don't. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, just, you know, I went, I went and visited with quite a few companies recently and just sort of what I'm seeing and hearing, definitely, I, I definitely agree with you. I think there's slow a down. stabilization, slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, materials are stabilizing more, mm-hmm. but are they going to stay stable? I mean, when we went in the pandemic, we were a uh, few friends I visited with this past week. You know, they were, they were very long in lumber and we were very lean, right? So we were yeah. the, the lean manufacturer with just-in-time inventory yep, and yep. it was one of our scorecard measurables every week because we can't be above this number yep. on the balance sheet for uh, for inventory we really really watched it like a hawk and as we went in the pandemic i thought hey this is great my buddy's got you know eight months of supply i've got like six days you know not quite that yeah, extreme yeah. but you know i've got six days he's got eight months and if the market drops i'm gonna be able to buy cheap if we can still sell sheds and what do you know the entire thing exploded and supply chain became an issue and He's sitting in all the material. <laughs> he probably made more money on having material in stock than right. on the sheds on he the sold, sheds, right? Yeah. Uh, could have not built a shed and made more money. Yep. Um, and we were the opposite way. And so it's, it's really interesting going forward. I mean, sort of what's worked in the status quo or what's worked as status quo in the industry, it's not going to work in the future, right? Whether it's material purchasing, whether it's um, you know, retail stores, online, the mix of business, it's, it's, it's unique because you go to the grocery store space. I mean, Amazon is uh, opening some retail stores, right? Yeah. And uh, DoorDash. Yeah. I mean, they did phenomenal. I did, yeah. If you go look at their stock ticker and look at what they did, they did incredible during the pandemic. Guess who's opening grocery stores? Yeah. DoorDash. Yeah. That's and cool. guess who's getting a delivery service? I don't remember. I'll botch it. Either Albertsons or Kroger, right? I mean, so just everybody's starting this mishmash that uh, I think we're going to see in the industry as well. And, and it's we're all trying to figure it out. And, there's there's changes that are inevitable in every industry. I've I'm I'm, I'm getting ready to lose my listener count with this one. You ready? Right. Shoot. Okay, this is where it goes. Are you a fan of self checkout at Walmart? I, I'm, I'm about not a to, fan I'm, of Walmart. Oh, well, this, that's <laughs> the best answer. Like, I so many people are like, you know, yeah, I hate the self checkout, and, and I watch these comments on these things constantly, and I'm like, why? Like, why hate the self-checkout? And it's like, ah, well, it's, you know, it's usually something like, it's costing jobs. I'm like, the number one employer in the United States is costing jobs. I'm like, right. we, we need to think this through just right. a little bit more. Right. Like, they're changing with the, the status as things happen. It's kind of like we used to have full-service gas stations. Now we have oh, self-service yeah. gas stations. I That's love that when we go international. Full ser- I said I love that about traveling international. Full-service gas Full-service gas. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's just certain things that change. You know, it's like I tell people, well, if you're mad at me for – self-checkout you'll be really mad to find out i take my own cart back too so i'm putting all kinds of people out of work you know um it's it's just one of those things where i'm like 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 business changes but there's there's so many reasons to hate walmart trust me self-checkout is not one worth wasting your time on right Right. (laughs) but it's 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 the nature of the way business changes we're seeing new technologies they saw you know new technologies in the 70s and the 80s and we're seeing that now i mean but a lot of people don't know i know this is not especially on the shed industry but it's i think maybe 
somewhat relevant. Walmart has actually got one of the best online retail brands going on. They're going to be the number in one. In the world. Yeah. The world. They'll be the one to compete with Amazon. They're investing in AI like you wouldn't believe. We, we had a uh, one of our CEO summits recently. We had a Walmart exec come in and speak, and it's, it's incredible to blow your mind. Um, and you think of them being this, you know, sort of tired brick-and-mortar store. Yeah. With a bunch of minimum wage employees, yeah. they're they're really. I mean, they're becoming a very very strong retail um, organization online. That's, well, that's and those incredible. reasons are the are the reasons that people get frustrated is the minimum wage, the the the, the cutoff at thirty hours, not yeah. wanting to provide benefits. health insurance and benefits, and taking the mom and pops out of. So there's there's you an know. example of our conversation earlier. There's a law, and they're taking advantage of it. Yes. They don't work past 30 hours. That way it's not a full-time equivalent employee. That way they don't have to provide benefits yeah. legally. Yeah. And you know what? You Until can do the that. court of public opinion matters more. That's right. That's right. Than the, the, court le- of than the law. Than the, than the legal court. Of, yeah. That's right. So there are, I mean, there, there's one you can absolutely do, and it's legal. Is it the right thing to do? Right. You know, ethics and core values is a different thing than, than legal. I just think we should be at least above the legal one. And then, you know, yeah. you, you figure out between you and God where you are above that. Yeah. Hey, this is Kyle from SheddsForSale.com. Let's talk about bounce rate. Did you know that each website measures the amount of visitors who navigate or leave a website after viewing only one page? An average bounce rate, according to SEMrush.com, is 41 to 55%. Meaning, if you keep just half the people from leaving once they get on, you're doing pretty well. Did you know that SheddsForSale.com's bounce rate is anywhere from 10 to 15%? That means for every 9 in 10 people that visit us, they continue on to another page, which means... We have what people want. Are you on SheddsForSale.com? If not, you should be. SheddsForSale.com. Your customers will meet you there. I just don't waste my time like arguing about the self-checkout thing. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. I, you know, I order my food I, at the drive-thru. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I take my cart back. Like, there's so many things to be upset about them or yeah. with them for that it's almost not, not worth the time. I'm pretty sure my house uses uh, DoorDash. Um, I get notifications for every now and then. This uh, is like every other day or something. One of the best arguments I had was like, well, it's a loss of personal customer service. And I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'll agree with you whenever nine out of 10 Walmart uh, uh, checkers are pleasant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, because yeah. they're getting paid well, minimum wage, they really don't care. There's that. But if, if you're out, my wife just bought a, a car this past weekend. And if you're buying something, you want to touch and feel and see yep. it's one thing. Yep. But if you're buying Diamond Hills brand, you know, whole grade milk, I don't really care who picks it. If you're buying it from that store, it's going to be the exact same jug of milk you'd have picked out. Now, Maybe fresh it, produce is a little different, but, you know, and we'll see. We'll see how that impacts the shed industry, right, with self-checkout and 3D configurators and all yeah. these various things. Yeah. Do we ever get to a place um, of, of, you know, truly just online checkout? I don't know. What do you What do you like personally? Because because personally, even though I, I, I partner with a lot of these companies, have them on the show, they do advertising, things like that. Um, I still like brick and mortar, pen and paper. Say, that's not a good way to start out your um, your uh, introduction. But the, the the sponsors on the show, even though I do business <laughs> with them, but yet me. <laughs> so yeah, no, we're gonna edit that, Brent. Brent, where's Brent? We gotta edit. Um, no, so in all in all reality, I like I like, I like brick and mortar. The yep. brick and mortar, the pen and paper. And the guy who's very personable, who's probably 50 years old, you know, 60 years old, who just sits at the lot and he's kind of like, no. yeah, we'll get you a shed. I mean, for I, me, it all depends on what I'm buying. Yeah. Right. Groceries. Let me just go click, click, click while I'm, you know, walking in the door at the house and an hour later it shows sure. up. Uh, I just recommend a lot of stuff on Amazon. It. 
But then we were buying sure. cars. You know, I, I didn't really compare, ironically, in this time. was like SUV from I, I, I didn't compare between one Ford dealership and another. Yeah. Uh, but I but I compared between the brands and the safety ratings and those kinds of things. So yeah. that kind of stuff I did online. But then the way it drives, I mean, you got to you got to go drive car. Right? We, we saw, and I've had friends who've uh, ordered cars through like Carvana. We saw three semis on the way down here to Texas loaded completely Carvana, full yeah. Carvana. You know, my, my Tesla X, I bought it on my phone. I went yep. to a, a dealership. They let me go drive one. Not yep. a dealership. They're not dealers. They're showrooms. But I, I drove the showroom. And then I tried to place the order. Of course, legally, they can't take an order on yep. site because yep. uh, then they're a dealer. And so I had to go on my phone and, and, uh, purchase the car that way. So I mean, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see where the world goes. And I just and, recognize the change. Like I know. said, I mean, I still like one way the best, but there's no doubt that I see, that I see the change yeah. in the value in it. And actually it's what's be, like, it's got me out of my shell in terms of like being just a average, I'm going to have a show coming up with like where I interview my mom, interview my dad, I'm going to interview my wife and, and my kids. And I just hope the industry don't mind giving that to me. It might happen before this one even airs. Uh, but if, if so, like the, I've already interviewed my mom and dad. I really enjoyed it because they don't know what I do. Yeah, so I just yeah. asked them, Hey, you know what I do? And, and let them ramble kind of talk about like what <laughs> we great. did growing up. And, uh, I like, I'm not joking. My dad, blue collar, sixth grade education. If we didn't have anything to do and we're playing on our game boy, he would make us go out in the yard and dig a hole and then, and then bury yeah. the dirt back in the hole. And I was <laughs> like, there's no value in this. I don't know why I'm doing this. But yeah. his, his mentality was, you're going to work. You're yep. going to work. It's not an option. That's going to happen. One way or another, you're going to have to dig in ditches and cover them mm-hmm. back up. Yep. Got to love your dad. Yeah. He, well, I mean, he, I told him, and we haven't even gotten along our whole lives, right? But I told him, I have a better relationship with him now than I've ever had. And I said, thank you. Like, That's there's great. one thing I know how to do is work. There is one thing I'm not sure about. If I lose anything and everything, I know how to go. I know how to go work. I mean, I I know that that's just necessary. Because we can all agree what you're doing now is not working, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> I set you up for that. So you walked into uh, it perfectly. Justin. I'll take. You can send the check in the mail. It doesn't matter if you pay me here or there. <laughs> so good. I appreciate. No, I love, you know when your passion and your talent intersect. That's your superpower. And and Shannon, you're, you we've we've talked about this a couple times last last couple times you're here. You're definitely in that intersection. Yeah. And and I think really doing something you enjoy it shows yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're bringing value to the industry. Otherwise, people won't listen. Right. Yeah. That's the yeah. ultimate ultimate test. And uh, I think your your count of listeners is on the rise. So that's I a good so. thing. Uh, um, so it's it's you know keep keep it rocking. Keep keep doing what you're doing. And uh, if you do, um, there's that song vacation. You do what you love, then you're always on vacation. If you don't love it, go change it. Go do something about it. Yeah. And so I, simple but great advice. No truer words spoken other than by the one and only Justin Overt here today. <laughs> so uh, I hope I live it down at some point. We got to get like there's got to be something else come up in the future. <laughs> Dear Lord, let another disaster come between me and Justin so that I can get away from uh, calling him this over and over and over. I kind of want to tell you the story behind that. But I'll, I'll tell you off air. Okay. Sounds I'll, good. Justin K. Well, thank you, Justin Mark. Shorter. I've enjoyed being on your show again. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks, Shannon. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Shed Geek Podcast. This is Mo Lunsford of Union Grove Lumber. 
We would like to welcome you to the Union Grove Lumber Studios. Hey, we're this year's studio sponsor. And this is your host, Shannon Latham. Here at the Shed Geek Podcast, we give you education you can use and entertainment you need. 